Good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you. Open up your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 6. And while you're getting there, Isaiah chapter 6, I'm reminded of a story. My daughter, my oldest daughter, is going to turn 24 next month. And when she was two or three, I had her in the back uh, of the house there with the, in the yard, and we were just looking at some of the creation that God had. And I was kind of testing her. I said, Emily, who created the trees? And she said, God did. I said, Emily, who created the grass? She said, God did. I said, Emily, who created dirt? Who created insects? Who created everything you can see? And she said, God did. And I have to tell you, I felt pretty good as like a Christian dad at that point. I was like, yes, we are doing well. And the next day I woke up and there she was in the bathroom, 300 Q-tips from one of those little Q-tip things that only have 300 Q-tips. And uh, they were everywhere. I put my hands on my hips and I said, Emily, who made this mess? And she said, God did. I share that story because I hope I'm a better teacher today than I was then. We'll see what happens, all right? It's a, yeah, you never know what's going to happen. We've been working our way. I was here two weeks ago. We started working our way through Isaiah chapter 6. And we were comparing the difference between people who go through religious motion, like get up, drag their weary bodies, go to church, sing some songs, throw something in a plate, and go home and act like you never went to church. That's religion, right? Versus what happens when we quit being religious and actually encounter the God of this book, because this book is alive, and the God of this book is alive. He says this book is God-breathed. The Word of God is God-breathed. So he's alive. He's different than just religious motion, and yet we live in a culture that is pagan, becoming more and more pagan, and even those who go to church, many of whom are just religious. And if you think I'm talking about people who aren't Baptist and excluding you, you're sadly mistaken. I think there's a lot of Baptists who are trusting in being a Baptist, not Jesus Christ, and there's a difference. So how can we know? How can we know who is experiencing God and who's just going through religious motion? And so some of you, who's on Facebook here? If you see, have you been watching some of our posts? I'm, I became uh, sucked into the vortex of the First Baptist Church Pekin web Facebook page. And, um, and so we've been having this conversation about what are some of the other points that we're going to talk about. But let's review a little bit. We see, I'm going to read it for you, open up to Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 4. The first indication that we're no longer being religious, but we're actually encountering God is in chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah says, I talked about this last time, Isaiah says, I saw the Lord. He's seated on a throne. Kings sit on a throne. He's the king of kings, high and exalted in the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs. These are angels. Each had six wings. With two, they covered their face. With two, they covered their feet. With two, they were flying. And they called to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook and smoke filled the room. And all God's people when they have this, they move from religion to a relationship with God and have this encounter with God, they go, what? Point to the heavens, point to God, and go, wow. Say it loud. Wow. Yeah. And God, by definition, is wow. He's beyond anything that we have 
Uh, you know, we, we, we we're finite. He's infinite. He's all-knowing. We're, we don't, we, if we think you know something, you're actually more lost than you really are, right? So, I mean, it's fascinating how God is so different from us. And by definition, he is wow. I try to reserve the word awesome for God, right? Because few things are really awesome. I mean, free pizza, that's cool, not awesome. Cheap gas, that's wonderful, not awesome. God is awesome. Do you understand what I'm talking about when I say, wow? Because that's who he is. By definition, he transcends us. But not only is he wow, let's move on. He is, well, let me just read the text. Verse 5. Isaiah has this crazy encounter with God, and he goes, wow! Then he goes, woe is me. Does yours have an exclamation point on that one? Look. Yeah, I mean, he is undone. So say this with me. Point to yourself and go, whoa. Yeah, so how do we know if we're encountering God? We will go, and then we'll see how great God is and how not great we are, and we go, whoa. Well, what's the woe about? Check it out. He says, woe unto me, I cried, for I am ruined. I live among people who are sexually immoral. No. Kill people. No. Cheat the government of their income. No. See, all those things we kind of think are big, right? No. What's he say? I live among people who are what? I have unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips. And my eyes, he says, have seen the King, the Lord God Almighty. He says, so this is what he says. God, you are awesome. And when I think about how awesome you are, I am not. When I see how great you are and sinless you are, what do I see in my life? Sin. I see that I have a long way to go. But you know what's fascinating for me? What does Isaiah see first and foremost? He sees sins of the mouth, words. The way he talks gets him into trouble. Now, I just want to say something. The biggest Christian sin, and I know that's an oxymoron. You know what an oxymoron is, like jumbo shrimp. Honest politician, don't get me started. And... um, Christian sin. Those are all oxymorons, right? They they don't belong together. The biggest Christian sin is gossip. I don't care if I'm in a country church or a city church, a multi-racial ethnic church or a lily white church. I don't care if it's a rich church or a poor church. It seems like somewhere along the way, 21st century Christians, people who claim to know Christ, seem that they just let themselves off that one. Oh, yeah, no, listen, hey, listen, I'm not as bad as I used to be. Well, I hope not, now that Jesus is living in you. But here's what I think happens. We're looking at, look at how far I've come. And the Holy Spirit's going, you've got a long way to go, right? And so, but I think we're always doing this, and so we let ourselves off the hook of continuing to grow. You know what I see? I see people growing old in the Lord, not growing up in the Lord. So what? You've been saved 50 years. You still are very immature. It's possible, right? It's possible. So the thought here is, when we see how great God is, we're going to have woe moments. And what fascinates me is that the first thing that he was convicted about was his mouth. We, you and I, can we just put ourselves in this pot for a moment? I'll go first. Me and you. We can 
get with our friends and we just start saying like stuff that is not edifying. We start talking about all people's problems and all the junk in their lives. And, and, and a lot of times we go, well, it's true. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I don't want hardly anybody talking about what's true in my life too, right? It's true. And we can just chew on people and not once ever have this conviction of like, this is wrong. What is going on here? Why have we spent the last 30 minutes taking prayer requests about how evil everybody's life is and never praying? That's a problem. That is a problem. So I'm here to challenge you right now. I'm going to encourage you in a minute. So hold your, hold your horses. The fact that you and I can be so evil in the way that we treat other people by gossip and saying evil things. I want you to hear this shows that we're religious because all religious people can talk up a storm. But you know what it doesn't show us? It doesn't show us that we have a real relationship with God because if I understand this passage right, Isaiah has this great encounter with God and what happens? He goes, I got to start, I got to shut up. I got to watch what I say. I got to be careful how I use my mouth. Jesus, Jesus, as he always does, takes everything like to a new level. You know, that's what I love about Jesus. Jesus will mess with your head. You say that it's wrong to commit adultery? I say, look at a woman with lust in your heart. Boom, just as guilty. <laughs> Jesus, take it easy for a moment here, right? Jesus says, this is why I think this passage, this, Jesus will enlighten us on this passage. Why are sins of the mouth, why are sins of words and not using our words to edify and encourage one another, why is that so grievous to God? I'll tell you why. Because here's what this says about us. From the heart, what's Jesus say? From the heart, what? The mouth speaks. It shows that the problem isn't really our words, it's our hearts. Now, I don't know who that was for, but I have a hunch it was for all of us. Right? Some of you looking at, well, that's not for me. You're doing this. I'm so glad so-and-so is here right now because they really need to hear it. Well, that, my friends, was for all of us. Whoa. Whoa. You know who, I got a word of encouragement now. Some of you here, look at me now, look at me. Scary, I know, I need to shave. Watch. Watch this. Some of you here, every time you get going in your relationship with God, you're so discouraged. You know why? You take a couple steps forward in your relationship with God, and then what does God show you? More sin in your life. And you go, oh my goodness, I've been struggling with this since I was a young man or a young woman or, you know, whatever, since for the last 20 years, whatever it may be. And you think, will I ever get victory over this? Can I say something to you? I want you to be very encouraged. Why? I want you to hear this. You need this. If you're the type that gets going in their relationship with God, and the deeper you go in your relationship with God, the more you see sin in your life, be encouraged. Why? Because that means you're probably not religious. Because religion is never going to deal with you the way God will, right? God will, because he loves you. No. God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. So he's going to point out things in your journey that are hindering your relationship with him and the people you love most. He's going to come after those things. But when he does, don't be discouraged. Be encouraged. Why? Because this is what happens to God's people. Isaiah goes, you are awesome. I am not. And I'm going, that is a great place to be. What's the apostle Paul say? In Romans 7, you ought to read that. If you're discouraged, you ought to read Romans 7. 
Well, Paul says, let me paraphrase it. He says, all the good things I want to do, I don't find myself naturally doing. I like accidentally helping people and praying for people, right? All the bad things I want to avoid, I find myself in the middle of doing those things. But he does say, thanks be to Jesus Christ who has delivered me. We're in the process of being delivered. All of us are. In the meantime, God's going to keep working on us so that we can keep growing, and that means dealing with sin in our life. You know who I worry about more than anybody? The people who come to church, and they're always doing well. I mean, always doing well. How are you doing? Praise the Lord. Really? I mean, okay, yeah, some Sundays I'm there, but not all Sundays, right? Doesn't life overwhelm you a little bit? I worry about that. If life is going to overwhelm you, what day does it happen? Sunday morning. Am I the only one with kids? Now, not so much now, because we, like I said, we have seven kids, and there's a 10-year gap between my three-year-old and my 13-year-old, so we like our three-year-old. It's, I mean, there's rest six kids. They're okay. We'll take care of them. They're leaving the house now. But listen, when they were little, oh, my God, the worst day of the, of the week, getting all those kids ready for church. I'm driving down the road. My kids are fighting with each other in the van. Is this, ha- am I, is this the only family there? Is you guys look at me like that. No. My kids love Jesus, Bill. I'm hearing my kids say, he's touching me. I only got one son. He's here. He knows who we're talking about. He's touching me. He's touching me. And I find myself saying godly things like this on my way to preach at your church. Don't make me pull this van over. You ever say that? I want you to know I've pulled the van over. And I taught my kids the meaning of justice. I'm not afraid to give them a little rap on the rear end and throw them back in the car. Well, politely place them back in the car, just in case this is being recorded. <clears throat> put the seat. They all live through it. They're all old now. And, they, and then we put the seatbelt on them, and they're crying, and now we're pulling into the parking lot. Dad, why did you spank me? And I said, shut up so we can go to church and learn about the love of Jesus. And then you walk into the church and, hey, Brother Bill, how you doing today? And you know what I say? Praise the Lord, brother. Because I'm lying like a big dog, right? Don't we all do that? That's exactly what we all do. I love this word, woe. You want to hear what it sounds like in the Hebrew? Oi. Say it with me. Be Hebrew. Oi, the next time you get in trouble. Oi, 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 oi. It's woe. It's an interjection of sorrow. And it means things are not well. You know what I love about the Bible? Doesn't it bother you? I'm reading through again this year. Um, I'm in Exodus. God almost kills Moses. Yeah, you need to read Exodus. Uh, his wife had to circumcise his son, not Moses. God almost kills him for it. I, I, all the, we try to make all the Bible heroes, but really there's people like you and I, crazy sinners who are trying to follow Jesus, right? I mean, that's really what's going on here. None of them hardly ever get it right. And that'll disturb you if you're looking for heroes, but it encourages you if you see God still works with broken people like all of us, Right? He uses people who fake it, right? Like once they arrive in church and they've thought about 
choking somebody on the way there, right? I mean, so he uses those people. Why? Because we're all in a process. We all go oi. Can we just all raise our right hand for a moment? Say, my name is? Say your name. Bill. No, say say your name. Bill. And I go oi. Say it with me. I go oi. Right? We all, we all go whoa. And that's part of the deal here, especially when we get into the presence of God and we see who he is and then we see who we're not. So, hey, when's the last time in your relationship with God you were painfully confronted about sin in your life and you went, oi, that hurts. That's, that's a problem. I hope it wasn't like a month ago because I'm guessing between a month ago and now you probably sinned. Again, I might be projecting my own issues onto you at this point. We go, oi. So how can you tell? Boy, religion, religion just lets you get away with everything. In fact, right now, there's, there's a liberal branch of Christianity, if you want to call it that. We call it heresy, technically. But there's a liberal branch of Christianity that would say, you know, why are we telling people what to do with their lives? And you know what, friends? We're not telling people what to do with their lives. This book, the God of this book, makes it clear about what sin is and what sin is not. And you are foolish to try to redefine anything he says is a sin and to make it popular and cool. That just says, that just speaks to you. It doesn't speak to God, and God will take care of it. It's fascinating. So we all go, oi. So how can you tell? Watch now, do this with me, point up to heaven. How can you tell that you're encountering God? You go, wow. You go, whoa. But here's the great news. I love that Isaiah confesses. Do you see his confession in here? When he says, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, and he gives a specific sin, I have this way of letting my mouth run with me, and my lips get me into trouble, he says, my words. He says, that's a specific, that's a specific confession of sin. And because he confesses sin, I want you to see what God does. It's so beautiful. Look what he says. Then, that's sequential. After I confessed my sin about not using my words wisely, I'm sinful in the way I talk, he says. Then one of the seraphs, one of those angels, flew to me with a live coal that he had uh, in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs from the altar. So in the book of Revelations, we have this picture of the altar of God in heaven. And, um, and by the way, Isaiah 6 and Revelations, are, they have, they're seraphs, they're six-winged winged, uh, angels in both places. The angel flies over, grabs with some tongs a coal. And it says in the book of Revelations, it tells us what these coals are. It's a metaphor, people. It's, it's what it is. And it's a metaphor of the prayers of the saints. That's what Revelation says. It's like God loves to go like this. Oh, I love the smell of those prayers coming up to me and people worshiping me through prayer. So the angel flies, grabs one of those tongues, comes flying over, and he touches with this hot coal Isaiah's lips. Now take out your pen. I want you to underline something. He says, Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth, and he said, Here's the part I want you to underline. See? Your guilt is taken away. Underline that. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. I want you to underline guilt taken away and sin atoned for or sin for. What he's saying is you have no more guilt and your sin has been forgiven. That's what he's saying. Now, what initiated this great grace and mercy on behalf of God? Confession. Confession. But we are so slick in this day and age about not confessing. We don't call, I did something wrong. It was terrible. It was an indiscretion. 
Jesus did not die on the cross for indiscretions. He died on the cross for sin. The day you and I call our wrongdoing sin is the day that we get forgiven and guilt taken away. But until we admit our sin, there is no forgiveness for those sins because we will not be honest with God. But the moment you're honest, the moment you say, God, this thing right here, that's a sin in my life. You said it's a sin, and it's keeping me from you, and I want you to know I agree with you because 1 John 1, 9, write it down. 1 John 1, 9, you're going to need this. I have this memorized because I sin. Even after I got saved, ask my wife and my kids and my friends. If we confess our sins, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The word confess means to agree with. See, God gets to decide who wants a sin and what's not. And we, it's a great day in our lives when we agree with him that we have sin in our life and we are specific about it. But the moment you do that, you know what happens? God not only forgives you, I got some great news for you. This is awesome because God is awesome. Watch. Not only does God forgive you, but he takes your guilt away. Don't believe me? Romans 8.1. There is therefore, based on all the struggle with sin we have in Romans chapter 7, Romans 8.1, there is therefore, now no, no, some condemnation. There's a little bit. No, no, no. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. When you quit being religious, you encounter God, you go, wow. You see sin in your life, you go, Oi, you go, woe is me. And if you will dare to do what hardly anybody ever does, and that's be forthright about the sin in your life with God. God, that's a sin in my life. At that moment, in the New Testament, it says, not only will he forgive you, but he takes away, he'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. In the Old Testament, it says, he forgives you and takes away your guilt. You'll go like, it's such a good deal that God will cleanse you Forgive you and take away your guilt. You'll go, think, make a cross, will you? Make a cross like this? Because that's what we know the New Testament reality of forgiveness is. Go, what? <laughs> Say this with me. What? You got to do it like a puzzle. What? It's really what, but I'm just saying wah because I got whoa, wow, wow, whoa, wah. Ready? Wow, whoa, wah. It's so amazing that God would not only forgive us, but take away our guilt. All of you, can I get an amen this morning from those of you who enjoy not only forgiveness of sin, but guilt taken away? Can I get an amen? Isn't, it good? Isn't God good? Isn't that what the blood of Jesus Christ is about? Isn't that what the resurrection of Jesus shows us that God forgives us? And we're not saying we don't sin, we're saying we're forgiven. And it's under the blood. And yet, even though I say that, and this is for many of you here, so listen up. There are some of you in this room who have been carrying shame and guilt in your life. And you have asked God over and over to forgive you, but you're still carrying the shame and the guilt. And I want to say to you, stop it. Well, how do I stop it? I don't know how to stop it. You have to believe what this book says about you, not what your feelings say about you. And this book says, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins 
and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. In other words, not only does he forgive you, he takes the guilt away. Isn't that what your says? Look at it. Somebody said, is that what the original Hebrew means? Well, it's translated, isn't it? You can look it up. God knows that we have this tendency to carry shame and guilt. And can I say something? We should if we've been bad. There's nothing worse than someone who does evil and has no shame. That's what's wrong with our country right now, right? But you know what's just as bad? Someone who is forgiven because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross and still carries that shame. It's almost as if you're saying Jesus isn't enough. But his blood is. His sacrifice is. And you need to start believing that. If you, that's why I want you to underline it. Maybe you need to write this little passage on a three-by-five card somewhere. Remember, when that shame sweeps over you, you say, not today, pal, because I confess that and I am forgiven. And that's what it means to work through that. How would I know? Let's just say that I've worked through some stuff and I'm still working through some stuff, right? Let's keep it real. Okay. How do you know if you're just playing? By the way, you know what religion does? Religion loves guilt. But a relationship with God frees you from guilt. Isn't that awesome? So I says, how do we know we're encountering God? We'll go, oh, you're getting quiet on me. You okay? We should take up another offering. That'll wake you up. Here we go. <laughs> You'll be like, what? Another offering? No. See, I got you awake, didn't I? That's good. Wow. Whoa. Why? And now I want you to do this. Whee. Oh, humor me. Some of you are going, like, it's Pentecostal. I don't think so. <laughs> Just for a moment, will you? Wee! Some of you like to have fun. Do it loud. Ready? Wee! Exactly. Where do I get we at? Well, that's not in the original Hebrew either, but I think it happens here. Look what it says. Then, see, like, how great God is, how sinful I am, yet if I confess, he forgives me and takes my guilt away. Awesome. That's great, God. That's only something God can do, so it's awesome. And then, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? See, can I say something right now? It's interesting he hears God's voice. Some of you haven't heard from God through his word or through other people or through the nudge of the Holy Spirit that lives in every believer. Some of you haven't heard from God because you've got sin in your life and it's unconfessed. But the moment Isaiah says, I'm bad, this is my sin, and God says, I'm not only going to forgive you, I'm going to take your shame and guilt away. Now what happens? Then I heard the voice of the Lord, he says. Do you see? This is why some of you have quit growing in your relationship with God. You've gotten old in the Lord, but you haven't grown up in the Lord because you haven't dealt with your sin. And we all have it. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, Send Brad Martin. No, I said, I meant Chris Garrett. No, yeah, that's right. I mean, no, send my pastor. No, 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 no. No. Here's Isaiah. Ooh, 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 Me, 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 me. God, God, you need somebody? I'm all if you, And it's, this is the flow. You're so wow. I'm so woe. You changed my life by your forgiveness. What? I'm in. Wee. Do you see it? 
How many of you had those words down when I told you to study the passage two weeks ago? You're like, no, no, all right. So, but you see, I'm homiletically correct. It's got all the, right? It's all right there. Okay, hold on. This world needs a bunch of old people who are crazy about Jesus. I'm just going to say it again. This, and I'll let you decide if you're old. <laughs> you decide if this one's for you, all right? This world needs a bunch of old people who are, who are in love with Jesus. Not perfect. You don't have to be perfect. None of us are. But this world needs people who say, until my last dying breath, I'm going to love and serve God in some way, shape, or form. I'm going down swinging. But you know what I see? I see people saying, I've been in this church for 40 years. I'm done. That's what I see. I'm like, done with what? You don't get to choose being done with God till he's done with you. I just, I think we need to re, I think we need a generation of people who will redefine what it means to live well in the last part of their life. In the last part of their life. I don't know about you, but I want the last, and I understand where I'm at now. I'm telling you right now. I'm on the 35-yard line going in for the touchdown. Do you understand where I'm at? Some of you are like at the five. Some of you are at the, your own 25, but I'm, I'm, I know where I'm at in my journey, and I want you to hear this. Whatever God has given you left, I want you to live it for the maximum. I find the, when I turned 50 a year ago, I'm 51 now, when I turned 50 a year ago, I made this my life verse for the rest of my life. Psalm, write it down, Psalm 92.14. I'll quote it for you. Psalm 92.14. Even in old age, this is Psalm 92.14. It's not like the Bible doesn't talk about this. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. We have a three-year-old, so that's biologically and other kinds of fruit. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. And in the Hebrew, it reads juicy and fresh. You know what we need? A bunch of people getting old who are not growing stale, but juicy and fresh. I know people like that. They are my friends. I don't have time to hang out with a crabby old person, but boy, do I love old people who love Jesus more than ever because they've had so many years with Jesus. One of my friends, the Reverend George H. Reeder, an old Nazarene pastor who is 108 years old. I kid you not. I call him Moses. Because when I'm in his presence, I just shut up and listen. And I, the only thing I say is, George, Moses, will you pray for me? And I let that raspy old voice, because he doesn't hardly have any voice left from being a preacher, he just prays over me. George H. Reeder, that's who I want to be. I want to be that old guy, and people start rolling their eyes when they find out I'm coming to their church. Oh, my goodness, it's Allison. He never gives up, and he goes over, and he talks, and he talks, and Oh, he drives me crazy. And I went to pretty soon they'll start seeing like all the young people in the, in the foyer back there planning on how to get rid of me. <laughs> and then they'll try to not let me preach. And you know what I'll do? 
<laughs> Sorry, you ain't stopping me. I'm going to join the Women's Missionary Fellowship or something, but I'm going down swinging, man. Why? I'll tell you why. Because I've met an awesome God and I've gone, wow. I'm painfully aware of my journey with Jesus and the sin in my life. And I want you to know something. I have no unconfessed sin in my life right now. And because I've confessed my sin, God not only forgave me, he's taken the guilt of my sin away. And if he needs me, here am I. I want to we. I want to go on. A, I want the best years of my life to be. I got one passage of scripture I want to share with you, and it's, uh, I haven't quite memorized it yet, but this is one that God really spoke to my heart about. Write this one down too. Psalm 71, 18. Listen to this. This is, this is so true for me. Now that I am old and gray, <laughs> yes, I dyed my beard. It's all coloring right here, all right? Now that I am old and gray, do not abandon me, O Lord. Now watch. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to those who come after me. You know what God's mission for all of us people, all of us older people, the next generation? The only thing worth your short life is helping them follow Jesus so that they can help the next generation follow Jesus. Nowhere will you read in the Bible is spend the last years of your life focused on you. It's a waste. Jesus even says this, if you hold your life, you lose it. If you give it away, you find it. Give it away to the next generation. Now that I am old and gray, let me proclaim your power to the new generation. Psalm 71, 18, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. Would you bow your head and close your eyes for a moment? Before I pray and we do communion, I want to ask you a question. When's the last time you went, wow? You got a glimpse of God that just astounded you. It could be a big thing or a small thing. When's the last time you went, whoa? Like, I am so undone about my sin. That's not bad. That's good. That means you're moving in the right direction. When's the last time? Was it this morning? I'm glad you're here. When's the last time you had a moment of confession and you sensed, listen to me now, the shame and the guilt released. You don't want to get stuck there. You want to believe what God's word says about you. He has, if you confess your sin, he will forgive you. Believe it. Tell your feelings to be quiet. You believe it. But I have a hunch there's a lot of people here who have so much to offer the kingdom of God and the next generation. I think God probably wants to prod you a little bit so you can know the joy of we loving and serving him. We need you now more than ever. I mean that. The next generation needs you now more than ever. Which one of those is the one that you need to act on? Just think about that for me. Is it wow? Is it woe? Is it wa? Is it we? 
And I want you just in a, um, uh, 30 seconds, talk to God about wow, woe, wah, we. Which is it? You talk to him right now in the quiet of your heart about whatever one of those that you think he's nudging you about right now. God, forgive us for our religiosity. And thank you for the clarity of your word and what it means to encounter you. I pray that it will be transformative in our life that we'll never be able to get over it. That a normal way of following Jesus together is wow, woe, wah, and we. Would you take a group of broken people like us, Lord, Weld them together as your body. And go on a wee journey that will last generations after our actual time here on earth because we built it into disciple-making the next generation. For any of my friends, Lord, whatever their next step is, I pray, God, that you would pester them until they do it. For those who carry shame and guilt that the enemy has used on them because they don't believe that your blood is sufficient, I pray that that would be rectified immediately. Father, for those of us who are even afraid to call something sin, remind us that we don't get the choice to do that. That's what you do. And there's only one right thing to do with sin, and that's to confess it and repent from it. And that's where we all are. You know every heart, whether it's wow, woe, wah, or we. Now do your thing in us, because that's what the Holy Spirit does, in and through us for your glory. And we're so thankful for what Jesus Christ did on the cross and how he shed his blood and he rose again the third day and how this next part that we get to celebrate together is a reminder of wow, woe, wah, and we. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Bill. Didn't I promise you this would be a special sermon today? That's one of the advantages of being in the first uh, first service. You you know what everybody else has to look forward to. <clears throat> we're gonna uh, we're gonna take communion today, and I really hope that this is uh, something that'll add to what Bill shared with us today as a reminder of how awesome God is. Now you know why I changed my words in the announcements. God is awesome, nothing else. Bill, I just want to thank you again for that uh, that very special message. And uh, we're going to close in prayer now. And I just want to remind you all to let uh, let what we heard today Remember that this is not just a ritual that we take uh, once a month, that this is a very special um, event that has a very special meeting. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that we can meet together here. Thank you for this church and, and everything it does for each of us. Thank you for what, uh, what you allow this church to do reaching into the community. Thank you for what you do for us individually. 
And I'm asking you, Father, to let the, let the words that you, you shared with us through Bill today burn deep in all of our hearts. I pray, Father, that it will make a difference in every one of us this week. Not wait and see what happens later, but this week it will make a difference in us. And then I pray, Father, that you'll, you'll burn in our hearts to share that with others. Bring us back safe next week, Lord, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.